Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And we are back for another episode of On Culture. Uh, my name is Mike Sherman, and On Culture is the podcast of the Embassy uh, newsletter, theembassy.substack.com. Uh, today I'm joined by Chris Vance. Chris is the pastor of New City Church in St. Charles. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about something that, um, uh, you know, as we often do, we talk about something that's uh, impacting the culture in some way. Uh, and we want to talk about the He Gets Us campaign uh, and the just various opinions of it, responses to it, uh, perhaps the pluses, the minuses, and so on. So, um, why don't you like what are your thoughts just let's just start real general what are your thoughts on the he gets his campaign uh and what what have been your interactions with it well my just very first gut impression when i saw the very first ad was huh that's pretty well made like Mm -hmm. that's pretty good i mean you see there's a lot of um corniness there's a lot of um non-excellent media that is put out there and and i would say that's true for churches and ministries and and true for christians as well and so when i saw the very first ad campaign i think it might have been the loneliness one i thought huh that's that's not bad like what is what is this campaign about because they're so short um, but the images are so visceral mm-hmm. that it, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it is a well-produced thing, which you don't always associate with, sadly, with Christian uh, media. Yeah. Uh, you know, high mm-hmm. production value. Um, and, you know, it's, the, the campaign seems to be a, you know, they're, they are short, 50, well, 15, 30 seconds the super the one Super Bowl ad was mm-hmm. sixty. I think there's probably longer versions of some of these that <clears throat> don't get aired as often, or so on. Uh, and they are an attempt to describe Jesus in a way that doesn't depend on any theological background or biblical knowledge. Trying to translate Jesus new, into an understandable format. Uh, they are well produced, highly funded. Uh, obviously a very intentional uh, campaign. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit ambivalent about some of them. Uh, and the whole, um, the whole description of Jesus uh, for me, and this is, I think, maybe just, I'm not sure if this is right. It's just kind of my visceral reaction uh, in extra biblical terms is kind of makes me nervous Uh and even for me, even, I mean, I know people love the chosen, but even that makes me, you know, when you're filling in all the blanks, you have to fill them in somehow. And so there's some of that mm-hmm. that I don't, uh, kind of makes me uncomfortable. You know, the first, I think the first ad that really hit was the rebel. And that's one that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand the point they're making. They're depicting the images mm-hmm. depict, depict people who, 
that that the middle of America would likely reject, and then it identifies Jesus with these these images, and it's a little mm-hmm. on the stretch side. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so I I it's, so I'm some and some of so some of them are better than others from my standpoint, and and I guess what I mean by that is some of them seem more true uh, and less. I mean, there's less filling in the blanks on some and more filling in the blanks on others. And so I respect the attempt at translation. Mm-hmm. It sometimes makes me a little nervous. That's kind of where, <laughs> which is maybe inevitable. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I th- well, one, I think you're right. They are not all created equal. There are some that I actually really like, and there's others where the application or the cultural um, exegesis, if you will, it's pretty far afield. Um, like it feels like a stretch where others don't feel like nearly the stretch. Like I, you know, the, the teen mom one, right. is pretty provocative where it just shows, I think that's one of the shorter ones. It just shows mm-hmm. a few teen mom images and says, you know, Jesus had a teen mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, right. Like there's no arguing that like, that's very right. much true. Right. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, like teenage motherhood in first century, Palestine and teenage motherhood today are two very different things. So, um, but I will say this, I do think, you know, whoever's funding, whoever's creating, whoever's filming, whoever's putting on this campaign, I I just don't think the person who's like super biblically literate, like the person who's already faithfully right. following Jesus. I'm not sure that's the target audience, you know? Correct. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's right. I'm yeah. not the target audience. They're not translating Jesus to me. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's a it's an attempt to translate Jesus, which I say in the piece is a task for the church and for all of us. Uh, so it's easy mm-hmm. to be, it's easy to throw stones at someone else's attempt, um, you know, but, you know, what is my attempt? Mm-hmm. Um, the Super Bowl ad... In particular, I think just because it was seen by so many people. I mean, I heard about the, you know, basically Jesus loves our enemies Super Bowl ad uh, in a number of different contexts after the Super Bowl that were not Christian at all. You know, like um, some sports podcast talking about the Super Bowl mentioned, you know, that ad in particular. Uh, And uh, of all of them, I think it's you know, probably in the most well done in that there's no, there's very little filling in the blanks. There's just pictures of outraged people, mm-hmm. people, people hating each other. Mm-hmm. And then the single caption, Jesus loves our enemies. Um, and yet, of course, that produced uh, condemnation from, you know, the church and from those outside the church, uh, you know, relatively I mean, during the game, you know, before the game's over. You know, people are tweeting, you know, uh, on both sides, uh, condemning it. Um, and I almost feel like that's um, the, it, that then begins to speak to this us and them dynamic, uh, which is, you know, pretty pronounced in, well, so much of our, of our culture. Uh, and that's like so much of the response to the campaign really has to do with, what my perceived side thinks of it or what I think we think of it 
and what they, the other side, the bad people think of it or if the bad people are involved with it. Um, and that's really not about the camp. It's almost not about the campaign at all. Uh, and in mm-hmm. particular, the that was already going on. And then the Super Bowl ad sort of underlines that because it, in a way it's speaking to those people, you know, and saying mm-hmm. that the, the folks you yeah. feel so righteous hating Jesus loves and, and, and doesn't mm-hmm. say, the ad doesn't say it, but commands you to love them. And of course we don't, mm-hmm. we don't love that message. Right. I mean, that's sort yeah. of a <laughs> offensive message yeah. to all of us uh, to some degree. Um, so what are your thoughts on the reaction to that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think one of the questions that the He Gets This campaign is asking that I think is actually a really good question to ask and has been asked before is that if Jesus in his earthly ministry loved and forgave and healed and, you know, did all these things, why are his followers so often associated with condemnation and hate speech and, you know, anti-loving rhetoric, right? Like that's a question that he gets us as asking. And, um, you know, I, I think they're trying to push on that pressure point a bit, even if the, you know, the applications or the cultural analysis, e- even if you do play a little bit fast and loose with it, um, I think they're, I think their main target audience are non-churched or de-churched or skeptical people. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the sub-goals for them is to have the church also be asking itself a little bit, why are we associated with hateful things when the Jesus that we follow and worship healed, loved, forgave, like didn't, you know, cancel and condemn you know, so I think that's one of the the most provocative questions in all of this that they're trying to get us to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think that's not something. You know, if you're a culture warrior person, uh, if if cultural mm-hmm. uh, and political divides tend to outrage you in a way that make you feel righteous, like I'm on the good side, condemning the bad people. That's how I know I'm good because I'm condemning the, the bad people. Uh, and the bad people are condemning me is another way I know I'm good. Uh, this whole sort of uh, cycle of outrage and condemnation obviously is not what Jesus' uh, exemplified model taught. Uh, and I think there is a, a, a an attempt by some people to then sort of co-opt this the righteousness of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, and the righteous anger of Jesus, which in the Gospels is almost always expressed against the church, maybe always against people uh, yeah. within yeah, the church, um, and say that that's the part of Jesus I'm exemplifying here. You know, I'm, I'm the angry, crusading Jesus, turning the tables over, uh, when, of course, in the Gospels, the, all of that was directed towards Pharisees, the, you know, the church leaders, 
you know, obviously they turn temples over in mm-hmm. t- turn tables over in the temple, uh, and mm-hmm. that was not the message to the woman at the well or to, um, you know, even the rich young ruler or Nicodemus even, who came genuinely seeking. Uh, and I think there's this, you know, I want to mold Jesus. I want to co-opt Jesus into what I already want to do so that I will feel good about it. Uh, and even, Mm -hmm. even some, I mean, even in a weird way, some people who don't really seem to believe in Jesus want to co-opt Jesus, Ned, really, whatever. I mean, there was one article that I read in preparing for this that, you know, that criticized the funders, a lot of the funders of, because of their political positions and saying they don't really believe in the Jesus they're proclaiming because their political positions indicate they must not believe in Jesus because mm. we have a, you know, we have a view of Jesus that aligns with our political views, which again, both sides do. And this is a sort of weird. Um, and that's why it's, it's interesting me to me how this campaign lands <coughs> in the middle of that. And each side maybe is trying to co-opt or condemn in a way that all of that just confirms my priors. All of that just confirms what I already want to believe, what I already want to say, I'm not going to be challenged by it. I'm going to challenge it. Uh, and that seems to be our cultural moment. And in that moment, it's really hard to speak any kind of anything. Right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, I could see how, you know, if you want to align yourself with, a, you know, a rigorously biblical conservative tribe, um, you know, you're going to try to poke hole in every potential inaccuracy <laughs> of these ads. Whereas, right. you know, maybe if you're a very skeptical person who's been hurt by the church, you're immediately thinking, all right, what's their agenda? What's their angle? Who's funding this? What are they trying to do? Um, which, you know, it, it's pretty incredible that not just through YouTube and online sources, but I mean, we're talking about Super Bowl ad space here. I mean, this this campaign has some serious uh, backing to to be played right. in the the public sphere, and so yeah, it, it is interesting that it's almost like to be seen as outside of our tribe or to be seen as betraying the tribe is really the ultimate sin for yeah. a lot of people, which is deeply sad. Yeah, I think that that's right. I think that's you take the Super Bowl ad in particular, where it's, uh, which is an ad I like quite a bit, um, because there isn't any filling in the blank really. I mean, there's images of outrage and hate, uh, and you know, vitriol and anger, and then there's the caption "Jesus loves our enemies," which is you know utterly and completely biblical. And it seems like the first impulse, the first cultural impulse, culture warrior impulse is how do I, how am I supposed to interpret this? And one of the things I do to interpret it is look around. Look around at what this person says or this person says or this person says. And then depending on how I'm connected to them, I will support and defend or I will attack and condemn so that I can maintain my you know, my tribal identity, 
you know, I, my, my in-group status so I can be one of the in-group people mm-hmm. rather than the message is whatever the message is, which is odd for coming from, you know, a group of people who would tend to say the text is the text and the truth of the text is in the text, not in the, not in the, you know, not in the receiver that, you know, we reject reader response theory as a, you know, as a literary concept mm-hmm. that the text means what the text means. Uh, and what, mm-hmm. you know, how do you evaluate the message of, and, and the message of that commercial is pretty simple. You know, Jesus loves your, your enemies. Yeah. Uh, the, by implication, you, you ought to, if you're a follower of Jesus, you ought to love your enemies. I mean, and obviously that's a biblical command. And yet, Instead of saying, huh, that's actually, it's a biblical message, but, 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 you know, these, there are Christians are out there saying that's the worst ad, you know, the worst Super Bowl ad is that he gets us, you know, it's a proclaiming a, because somehow, <laughs> the, you know, I think the Jesus they're proclaiming is too liberal or too, what the people doing it or whatever. And then the, obviously mm-hmm. the people on the left are saying the exact opposite thing based on their in-group out-group mm-hmm. status. And one of the things I would like them to say is I don't really want to love my enemies because that's probably the truest thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, that, yeah. the, the offensive thing about it is I need to love my enemies according to Jesus. I want to claim Jesus for my side, and I don't want to mm-hmm. love my enemies, and that's the place I want to live. Mm-hmm. And the ad kind of speaks to you're going to have to choose whether you love your enemies or you claim Jesus because you can't really – be consistent and, and do both. Um, don't you think that's at the root of yeah. it? The offensiveness of that message is at the root of the response to a lot of the campaign. Yeah, I, I do think that um, it's almost as if, yeah, it, it, people don't want to be made the fool. They don't want to be wrong. It's like, what am I risking? If, if I really do not condemn this thing, if I do love my enemies, or if I even partner with someone who I don't a hundred percent agree with, or if I associate myself with someone that's not 100% over the line in my tribe, you know, will I be perceived as wrong or inaccurate or, um, yeah, like all those things. And what's really sad, I, I think a great sadness in this is when we get caught up in the criticism, we really lose the mirror of what this could be. Because I think so many people are, you know, if they're highly critical of the ad campaign, I almost immediately want to ask, okay, like, what are you doing in your local context to encourage people to think about Jesus differently? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same people who criticize, you know, I I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio for like flying in his private jet. Right. But also being someone who is like, you know, pro, you know, uh, you know, raising money for environmental preservation. Mm -hmm. Right. Right, You you know, it's like it's so easy to be hypercritical of someone when they when they do something that you perceive as being you know, inaccurate to whatever they're doing. It's a lot easier to do that than actually to look in the mirror and say, wow, this ad campaign is trying to get people to think about Jesus in a different, like people who would 
not conventionally think about Jesus. How am I doing that in my local context with my family, with my church, mm-hmm. with my community? Like, what am I doing? I mean, that's that's the more uncomfortable question. And that's why I think it's so easy. I mean, and it's lazy. It's just lazy. It's It's lazy and it's easy to criticize whatever other camp that we think is there or out to get us rather than actually doing the work in our own backyard. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if, if we are called to be translators, uh, we in the church or the church is called to be a translation, uh, of, you know, Mm -hmm. what the presence of God is on the earth, uh, now, uh, and someone else is trying this translation, uh, effort, um, we can think it's good or bad mm-hmm. or, or in the middle or a little of both. Uh, but the question is, yeah, what does my translation look like? And it, it is easy to criticize. And I think that's part of the whole, you know, as you said, the whole outrage culture that we're in is we think that condemning the wrong people is doing good in the world. Like that's my, the good that I'm mm-hmm. doing is to actually show disapproval for bad things when that's not really doing anything constructive or good. Uh, I mean, sometimes you show disapproval for bad things, but then you have to actually do other stuff in the world that, that, you know, demonstrates the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Um, I do think there is a sense in which, and this is probably a little in, you know, inside baseball, uh, you know, for church people that the Bible, you know, being the, uh, you know, uh, the sole source of truth, um, then there's a, a real, you know, all the messages, and this is, you know, p- part of the, you know, the downside of, you know, kind of my normal reaction view is that, you know, the Bible is, is definitive, and so therefore limiting ourselves, and then therefore the Bible then can be in that, in that milieu, which I'm, I'm in, and I think I'm comfortable being in, but in that milieu, one of the dangers is the Bible gets elevated to this point of almost veneration in that the, in, it's not the message of the Bible or the truth of the gospel or the transformation that shows itself in the ways the Bible describes. It's the Bible itself. And so anything that's extra biblical is um, suspect and easy to criticize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our job is to speak biblical truth into the culture and, you know, whether they listen to it or not, it's, you know, no concern of ours instead of trying to figure out how to translate this biblical truth in a way that's, that's hearable or understandable. Uh, and um, does that make any sense? Is that, do you think that's part of what's part of what's maybe going on in terms of some of the criticism from the, from the religious right, if you will? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I saw a similar reaction. I know this is a different thing, but a similar reaction to Asbury, right? Like yeah. there's, there's almost this reaction that says, Man, if it's not, if I don't feel like it's concretely defendable at every <laughs> single turn of everything that I hold about the text or the Bible, then I'm going to be suspect or I'm going to be right. critical or, um, yeah, which is really, it, it, it's a kind of, a, you know, cannibalism within the church that, you know, I was talking to a local business leader the other day, and he said one of his biggest problems with the church or modern Christians or whatever 
is that, you know, as a business owner, he can work with all these other businesses like really well, right? Like they share this common goal at the end of the day of making money. And so they market together. They, you know, do all these events together. Like they, they, they just work in all of these ways, cross brand and cross product. But he says, I look at the church and y'all can't hardly work together on anything. You guys are, you know, attacking each other and critical of each other. And, um, I didn't have a lot to say in the moment other than like, yeah, I kind of share some of that frustration mm-hmm. that yeah. um, there there is a cannibalism that exists that is um, deeply tragic. Yeah, it's a purity contest in a way, right? That, you know, uh, being more pure than, than everyone else. And of course, you know, these ads are translations. And so they're not, you know, they're not verbatim from the, you know, whatever, from the truth of the Bible or from a theology book or whatever. Uh, and so that gives us, uh, some, some pause, I think. Um, and so you've got, you know, we've got a few things going on here, but one is this, what does this translation look like? How are we to be translating beyond just speaking biblical truth? How are we exemplifying transformation? Uh, which for instance, loving our neighbors, uh, which is both. Um, and then how does our group identification play into that? I think the whole critical of other churches not working together is so much about this purity contest and this group identification than it is about actually real disagreements about the text or the theology or whatever because it seems like a lot of the criticism isn't even articulatable in theological or or biblical terms. It's just much more of an us-them dynamic, which reminded me, I started the piece about the Harper's Letter. I don't know, have you, had you heard of the Harper's Letter uh, before then? No. Yeah, so it's that letter, mm-hmm. basically, summer of 2020, you know, basically free speech is good. I mean, that's basically what the letter said. We all ought to agree that we ought to let people express their views and so on. And like 150 people signed it from all over the spectrum. Uh, And then almost immediately, some of the people who signed it saw some other people who signed it and said, I don't want to sign it now because they've signed it. So nothing about the message changed. Nothing about anything about they read the letter and they said, yes, that's good. I'm going to sign my name to it. And then they find out, oh, they signed it. I'll take my name off which seems almost laughable in its transparency that it's just mere, it's not about the letter. It's about, it's about group identification and everything else gets lost uh, in that. And I do believe that if the church is going to translate well, you know, the truth and transformation of the gospel, then our identification has to be with the actual Jesus that we have a relationship. It has to be, you know, our identification has to be with the Holy Spirit, has to be with the people of God, has to be with, um, you know, this is who he is calling us to be, and that some in my tribe will sometime disagree, but that's okay, because my identification mm-hmm. isn't to make them happy. Uh, if we don't get away from that dynamic, which is, I mean, we've, we've, we're swimming in this, cult, in this cultural water, so that's obviously, you know, we're just falling into the same dynamic as everyone else. 
if we don't get out of that sort of dynamic, then almost nothing else matters in terms of accurately translating because we won't allow ourselves to say something that someone that I perceive to be in my tribe will disagree with. And even I won't yeah. even allow myself to say something that somebody who's against my tribe will agree with. So if they agree with it, I can't agree with it. And if we're stuck there, we're just stuck, yeah. right? And maybe to even go a sidestep or maybe one step further, however you see it, the assumption is that if your ultimate identification is with God and his spirit and his son in the church, the gathered body, the assumption is if that's your primary identification over whatever other ethnic or nationalistic or political identity you can have, the assumption is you're actually going to have to be a part of the living organism that is the church, that are people that in any other um, multiverse or in any other lifestyle or life walk you would not associate with. Like the assumption is that the tax collector and the fishermen who were getting stolen from are now walking side by side following Jesus. Um, that actually comes with the territory. Like that's what you sign up for in being a Christian. And if we don't, uh, we look around and we don't see anybody that we disagree with, something's gone wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If we only see mirror images. And that's where us, I think. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Well, I was just saying that's where the reflective piece comes back in. It's like, okay, yeah, you can say, oh, this ad campaign's not the most effect- effective way to reach my neighbor. Well, you know, probably statistically it's creating a lot more conversation and reaching a lot more people than a lot of what the other things we're doing. And again, you know, what, how are you? Um, right. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's. What do you do? Um, yeah. I think the idea, you know, that we ought that we we we're required really the whole idea that we're required to uh, be mixing with people with whom the only thing we really have in common is Jesus. Uh, we, the only thing we really have in common is His Church and God and the Spirit and the transformation therein. Uh, and if we're not doing that, then we're sort of forming conforming the faith to our own image and comfort. Um, so that's a challenging message for us to think of. And even uh, as we close this out, we're getting to the end of our time. You know, that question is, what does translation look like for me? What does it look like for us in our local church body? Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, we're not always to be individual translators. We're to be part of a group. And so how does that look? Does that, how do I, am I impacting the world? Am I bringing the transformative love and caring for people in my community um, you know, what am I doing? What part, what am I a part of with other people, um, to, in a sense, translate the reality of the transformation of the gospel in ways people can see. Um, and that's, if nothing else, the He Gets Us campaign should remind us that that's something we need to be about and we need to be, you know, that's a question, you know, am I doing this well? Are we doing this well? And if not, how can we do it better? is a more important question than, than are they doing it well and what can what, what can we say about them one way or the other um, 
So maybe we'll just leave it there. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. And, and chatting. Uh, and yeah, uh, no problem. With yeah. And so we'll uh, we'll see where this 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 dynamic goes, and we'll leave those questions uh, with us as to how we're going to respond uh, with the gospel. And with that, grace and peace. You've been listening to On Culture, a podcast of the Embassy Newsletter. Have a question? Send it to theembassy at substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.